heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Malcolm at 8, the voice of a nation. Malcolm is off today, so Steve Latulip and I, Wally Gardo, will be filling in for him. And we want to talk today uh, about an article that I've got coming out. It's actually on the network uh, today. It's called Censorship's Grip, How Global Influences Drive Media Control in Political Landscapes. And I want to address this a little differently than I did in the article. I want to look at it kind of from the globalist's perspective and talk a little bit about how uh, the globalists, why they feel that they need to control narratives the way that they do. I don't agree with that. So as I do that, I hope you'll understand I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm giving you their argument, and I think probably as well as most of them can. And then uh, I'll bring Steve on and uh, we'll discuss it and contrast it and talk about why that is or more likely is not a good idea. And to understand it, it helps to be familiar with a Thomas Sowell book called A Conflict of Visions, where he talks about two visions, the constrained versus the unconstrained visions. And what Thomas Sowell says is you can either view people as imperfect and thus uh, tempted to, to corruption or you can view them as perfectible. If you view them as perfectible, then what you would want to do, obviously, is perfect them, and you'd have to structure your society in such a way as to make that possible. But if you view them as inherently corrupt, as inherently not perfect, what you would want to do is you would want to take power and spread it out as widely as possible, let people run their lives however they see fit, as long as they don't interfere with other people. And you would understand that you're going to have to have some level of governance, some level of policing. You're going to have to have laws. You're going to have to have a society that's going to look uh, ideally something like the United States was designed to. So those are the, the visions, as, as Thomas Sowell put out. And one of the criticisms that he got is that he was creating two categories somewhat arbitrarily, you know, constrained versus unconstrained. There are other ways to categorize people or to categorize schools of thought. And that's actually somewhat a fair criticism. Uh, the part of the criticism that is not fair is often when we make arbitrary categories, we're doing it for a good reason. And we can learn things from those arbitrary categories, even if they are arbitrary and even if there are other ways that we could categorize things or or look at the world. So maybe we're not getting everything in, about human nature from the constrained versus the unconstrained view, visions that, that Thomas Sowell wrote about, but there's still a lot of truth to that, and it's, I think, important to look at that. I think it's also important, though, to look at some of the other categorizations. So, so for example, a lot of people on the political left believe in a moral and intellectual elite. And it's funny how there are so many people on the left, all of whom seem to believe there is a moral and intellectual elite, and they all seem to believe that in spite of the fact that if we count the number of people that could conceivably be in the moral and intellectual elite, uh, in, in terms of some kind of a ruling capacity, the vast majority of people on the left would not fit. So you know, they, they everybody on the left seems to think they are a part of the moral and intellectual elite, but 
to the degree that they could be elite in a leadership role, that's obviously not going to be very many of them. But uh, they do start out with with, uh, this moral and intellectual elite and this belief that there are people that are smarter, wiser, just better than everybody else. And that the biggest problem in the world is they don't have enough power. They are naturally very apprehensive about systems in which other people have power. So for example, if you create something that other people want and you're able to produce it and sell it, you know, free markets, I make a better widget, you buy my widgets to somebody else's, I get money. With that money comes comes power and, 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 and privilege uh, that I've earned by selling things that make other people's lives better. Well, they don't like systems like that because in a system like that, Business people get rich selling goods and services other people want, and not college professors, politicians, not the people that they consider to be the moral and intellectual elite. Another interesting thing about the moral and intellectual elite is that they tend to start with how they want the world to be. And when they look at the world and the world doesn't look like the way they want it to be, instead of thinking, you know, there's something wrong in my vision, maybe I'm not looking at the world accurately and I should change how I look at the world. No, they don't do that. They're the moral and intellectual elite. Why Why would they? Their, their ego is just, you know, bigger than Trump's. No, what they do instead is they say, we need to change the world into the vision I have of it. So instead of changing the vision, they want to change the world and they want to change everybody in it. That obviously is inherently tyrannical. Uh, back in the day, well, back in the day, none of us are old enough to have firsthand knowledge of this. But once upon a time, instead of using the phrase moral and intellectual elite, we would have used the phrase nobility that we need the better of society, the noble lords and ladies to control us. And that really is what they're doing is they're, they're saying, you know, the biggest problem in the world is we moved away from serfdom. Uh, we, we have plenty of people. Matter of fact, they tend to think we have too many people, uh, but they don't have enough control over the people. You know, instead of letting the people build the things the people want and having the people prosper, they say, for example, uh, we have climate change and we're all going to die. The earth's Access is tilting because too much water has been pumped out of the groundwater supplies. That, by the way, is just in the news today. And and therefore, we're going to run out of water or the ability to access it by the year 2050. And when they give us these pronouncements, the world is going to end. London will be underwater by 2020. There will be no ice on the on the Antarctica by the year 2015. Now, all of these pronouncements, they always find a way to use the word may. So it's not it will happen. It's it may happen. And we could ask ourselves, well, what is the may? What caveat are they giving themselves? Now, for example, we have uh, about 130 different climate models that scientists use. And they'll say, well, here's the average of what the models say. And here's the extreme models. And oh, by the way, here's the observations of what's actually been happening over the past 50 or 60 years that we've been using these models. And isn't that interesting? The ones that call for the least warming are the ones that seem to be the most accurate. And yet we're going to pick these crazy ones that we know are fake, and that's where the may comes from. Well, we may run out of water if the earth gets a lot hotter than there's any reason to believe that it might. Well, if my aunt had ball, she might be my uncle. Once upon a time, I wouldn't have needed a May for that. I could have just said if my aunt had ball, she'd be my uncle. Well, now, apparently, that's a controversial subject. But anyway, they have their vision of the world, and they want to force the world to to conform to it. And this is based really on uh, a lot of atheist thinking. It's based upon, uh, I read a book called The God Delusion by, uh, no, I can't think of the gentleman's name, Richard Dawkins. And uh, in it, he said that people are nothing more than meat machines. 
We're computers. We don't think, but we're complex. We're, we're very complicated. We're complex computers, and we're sufficiently complex that we think that we think. Now, never mind the motion. We can think that we think without thinking is absurd. Uh, he's serious, and his point is that. All we have is software and data, that actual free thought is impossible. There's no scientific or naturalistic explanation for free thought, for independent thought, or for anything like that. So he says, you know, I don't believe in God. I believe in God. Stephen Dawkins doesn't. He says, so obviously uh, it doesn't exist. I'm sorry, I said Stephen Dawkins, Richard Dawkins, Stephen Hawkins is somebody else entirely. Anyway, so all we are in terms of our behavior is software and data. And if we could correct the software and input the correct data, we'd be very controllable. What does that mean? That means that they want to control every experience every human being ever has, because that is the software element. And they also want to control all of the information that everybody is ever exposed to, because that is the data element. So you control the software, you control the data, you control the person. That's the belief. And they believe this not because it's true, but because otherwise you have to call out some kind of a supernatural power that that I might call and you might call God. Well, they don't believe in God. So they, according to Stephen Dawkins, it's impossible for free thought to be real. So he believes we're controllable. Uh, that means that the purpose of, of information and, and experience is to provide the right framework for us to behave and make the right decisions as they believe we would make if we were uh, as morally and intellectually superior as they are. Well, that's not based on truth. And it's important to understand that. The information they want us to have is based upon how it will make us react going forward, how we will react to that information, and how it will combine with the experiences that we have that they also seek to control. In other words, it's about control. It's not about fact. It's not about reason. It's not about understanding. It's not about science. It's not about any of that. It's simply about controlling the masses so that the intellectual, the moral and intellectual elite can rule the world. Well, they tried to do that through governments, but it's very difficult to do, particularly in, in countries like the United States that have a very firm belief in a freedom of speech. Our First Amendment makes it impossible. So uh, they went global, and groups like the World Economic Forum were formed. They meet, of course, every year in Davos. They've also put together a group called the World Federation of Advertisers. This is a bunch of billionaires, almost all billionaires, uh, almost all of the Fortune 500 CEOs. You've got governments involved. You've got philanthropists involved. You've got non-government organizations involved. And they collectively control 90% of the world's advertising money. Now, that means that they can control who is allowed to advertise because they control where you can advertise. And it also means they control the media. If you don't support their message, they won't let companies advertise with you. So they're controlling both sides of the coin. They control where advertisements can be, and they control who can advertise. And 90%, you know, that's a monopoly. You don't get very far without their support. In 2019, they created what they call the Global Alliance for Responsible Media, and uh, that included most social media. At the time, it included all social media, but since Elon Musk has bought Twitter, which he now calls X, uh, Twitter is no longer a part of that. However, all of the other social media companies, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're all a part of that. And uh, what this group did is they put together something that they called the Brand Safety Floor and Suitability Framework. 
And what this is, is a list of messages that are allowed and that need to be need to be put forward into the public sphere and uh, a list of things that we're not allowed to hear, not allowed to know narratives that doesn't matter whether or not they're true. They are not suitable for advertising or for public consumption. And again, this isn't based on what is true and what is not true. This is based upon the concept of human beings as robots, our brains as computers, and the notion that if we can just control every experience every human being ever has, and we can control all of the access to information everybody has, that we can, in fact, in, in effect, control people. So that's what they do. And uh, we see Budweiser, we see NASCAR. You know, we know what Budweiser did with Dylan Mulvaney. We also know NASCAR, you know, Nora Gregson. Uh, all he did was like a meme from Under the Sea, the Little Mermaid, to the song Under the Sea. And it was it was the crab dancing and it had George Floyd's face. And, uh, and instead of Under the Sea, the song was Under the Knee. So, yeah, I get why somebody on the political left might think that that is more offensive than funny. But all he did is like it. And now all of a sudden, NASCAR has taken his job away. He's been indefinitely suspended from being able to race, not based upon his ability to race, not even based upon anything that he said. All he did was click a like button on something that he thought was funny and that the World Federation of Advertisers, the Global Alliance for Responsible Media, decided violates the brand safety floor and suitability framework. So now he's done. He's unemployed. You will never hear his name again, except in negative ways from the media. Noah Gregson. We also know about Jason Alden. We have the song, Try That in a Small Town, or Do That in a Small Town, whatever it is. I'm not a country fan, so I've, I heard it once out of curiosity, but, you know, not my thing. But now it's the number one song, uh, not just in country music, but the number one song in the Billboard Top 100. So this song's just exploded in popularity. But that's only because the brand safety floor and suitability framework hasn't gotten to Spotify yet. Believe me, in a couple of years, I simply won't allow that song to be played. Uh, it won't be that you won't be allowed to hear it. It's that you won't be able to find any place where it's played. It just simply will not be available. So that's where that's headed. And uh, the driving forces for this are global. This isn't something happening just in the United States. This is happening in the Western world, period. It's happening in, in Europe. It's happening in America. Canada, obviously, is ahead of us. It's happening in Australia. We remember the lockdowns there. It's happening all over the world. Now, the places where I don't think it's happening are places like China, where uh, they're on board with the destruction of the Western world, but they're not necessarily on board with what the leadership of the Western world, the moral and intellectual elite, as they call themselves, with what they want. And if you look at it from that perspective, well, of course, you're going to control the information that everybody has. If you believe this and you allow truthful information out there that is not going to fit into the software plus data formula that people would operate the way you want them to based upon, of course, you're going to censor it. The whole notion that you wouldn't censor it if that is what you believe is absurd. That's like saying, I think the American people are a bunch of racist fools, but I'm going to allow them to vote and decide who the president is. Well, if you truly believe about the average American person, what the left says they believe about the average American person, of course you're going to cheat elections. You're not going to let those dolts decide who's going to run the country. That's how they view us. We're dolts. Of course they don't want to give us a voice. 
And uh, they're going to lie to us because it's not the lies or the truth. It's it's not what matters isn't what's said. What's mattered is the reaction that it will create amongst the people. So truth and fiction are irrelevant. It's all about control. And uh, so that's where we are. That's what their argument is. That's who they are. And uh, with that, we'll bring on Steve. Steve, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, as I'm, I'm just listening to you and I'm trying to be uh, completely objective, neutral, um, I find it to be really scary, Wally, because um, how in the world do you uh, do battle with this? I mean, these, as you said, the, a lot of these people on the left, uh, they, they, their strength comes from their money, not so much from their intelligence or ideas, because their only idea, as you said, is to control us. But when you've got something like the World Federation of Advertisers, that organization seems to me to be just run by money. And of course, money is power, but it's not the only power. So what you're raising up the questions in my mind is, how do we deal with this? Because, you know, uh, one way I can conceive of in just my most simplistic mind is, well, let's just disconnect from the internet. But, you know, that's not practical. It's not realistic. It's it's not going to happen. We live in a technical uh, technological age where everybody's got a cell phone, a computer, and more and more we are ordering things online. So um, I'm kind of clueless as to um, how we should perceive it and what should our reaction be? Can you help me? Well, I can, but I think uh, before I do, it's it's worth noting it's actually worse than that. Even if you completely disconnected from the internet, you'd have to disconnect from television. You'd have to disconnect from printed media. Uh, you wouldn't be able to walk into stores because the advertising that's allowed in the stores is all related to this. It's 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 literally ninety percent of of all advertising, and and everything that that advertising drives, including the ability to advertise, which means control of media. Um, one thing we can do is we can understand that the mainstream media is completely shot. There is no such thing as news anymore. And uh, people can look for sources like America Out Loud. And there are other, I don't want to say right-wing sources, because I don't think people should constrain themselves only to right-wing sources. You know, Russell Brand isn't a part of this, and he's somebody I probably don't agree with very often. Uh, Bill Maher clearly is not a part of this. And again, now the funny thing about Bill Maher is he seems to be spot on about how dumb the left is. And he's like, oh, but I'm going to vote for them anyway. Well, Whatever you want to do, Bill, that doesn't make much sense, but whatever. Uh, but the point is, there are other sources of information that people can go to that maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but at least they have the intent of being honest. Now, I, I tell people, for example, I say, you know, my Rush Limbaugh used to say he is first and foremost an entertainer, not an informer, and that uh, you should always listen to what he said in that light. I, I take the opposite perspective. Uh, I would rather be right. I would rather be I'd, I'd rather be right. I hope to be entertaining, but I'd rather be boring and right. I don't want to give people bad information, even if doing so you know, makes me rich and famous. I'm just, I'm not willing to sell out my integrity like that. So I think it's important that people have voices and listen to voices that at least have the intent to tell them the truth. And uh, I think the other way that you can address this, and it's somewhat ironic, it would take government. The government can't say who, who can advertise. They can't force somebody to allow somebody to advertise, but they can damn well say who can't. And I think you could use the power of that. You could declare, for example, the uh, 
the uh, World Federation of Advertisers to be an illegal monopoly. And you can say any organization that is affiliated with the World Federation of Advertisers is barred from advertising anything anywhere within the, within the realm of the United States. Yeah. Hey, Wallace, you, you make me think of, of this. Um, you know, when we're trying to beat a great big system, um, from what I've uh, heard from other people, and one that comes to mind is a very controversial figure, Robert Malone. I was in the, the car with him driving uh, from a conference. We were both uh, in going to the airport, and we got into a pretty deep uh, conversation on this, like how in the world do we unplug ourselves from everything that is happening? And and I've heard this from a lot of different people saying, well, what we need to do is get into our small clans anymore and become more autonomous, uh, kind of like we have in certain religious groups uh, that are totally independent of, of society in general. You know, it, is that in a solution, do you think? Because... Um, as you said, you got to live in the woods and completely be isolated to really separate yourself from the information warfare that we are subjected to every day. Well, I, I guess I would answer that by comparing it to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where you can take the perspective that I'm going to hole up in Gondor and hopefully be the last bastion of humanity to survive, or you can take the perspective that we need to defeat Mordor. Uh, yeah, you can you can you can hole up with with friends, relatives, your church, and in other trusted groups, and and try to and try to to separate yourself from from all of the evil around us. And and from a micro level, that'll work for a while, but that evil's still there. And as they start to crop out other enclaves like that, they're eventually going to move along to yours. You know, my wife's from Poland. Sometimes she says, well, if things got bad enough, we could always go to Poland. Well, if the United States falls and Europe has fallen, how long is it going to take before Poland falls? You know, these people, they, they want the whole world. They would invade Poland in a heartbeat if that was all it took for them to have complete, utter control. And they have to have total control. If we're allowed to talk, people may listen to us. So they have to take away any opportunity for us to talk whatsoever. They have to do it. They have to be totalitarian. They have to be global. Well, okay. Now you said that uh, the real issue here uh, with the World Federation of Advertisers is to control the minds of people. Uh, and they, they certainly are in a position to try and do it with the global network. But um, how effective do you think they are? I mean, are people just playing the game? Or do you think they're really being swayed and influenced? Or, or is there any mental pushback, in other words? Do you, do you think they're going to be successful at no. controlling us? No, of course not. I don't, I, I don't believe that we are more than, or that we are no more than meat machines. I don't believe that our, I don't believe that our minds are, are computer code. I don't, I don't agree with any of that. I think that we're more than that. I think that uh, the essence of life, the spirit is, is not a computer at all. It's, I, I don't believe that if you make a computer complex enough, it's suddenly going to be alive. It may be able to imitate life, you know, artificial intelligence, but the artificial part of that is the key word. You know, the most complicated computer we have ever made is no more intelligent than the first Texas Instruments calculator from the 1970s. So I, I don't believe it ever will be because I don't believe it is possible for us to put life into a plastic box. 
And any more than it's possible for us to take life out of a human being and, and, and still have a, you know, without being a vegetable, you know, it's, it's an inherent part of what we are. We are inherently different than robots and computers as a consequence. Uh, but understand, it doesn't matter if it will work that this is, this is the framework, the, 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 the mindset, if you will, that, that so many people that are the driving force of, of the leftist thought, the moral and intellectual elite. This is how they think, and and what they're doing is just a logical reaction to how they see the world and and to what they see wrong with the world. What they right. see wrong with the world is basically freedom. Right. And, and, you know, really, it's nothing new. What they are doing by saying, look, we need to control the world or we want to control the world. We want to make you obey us, follow us, do what we say. That's the same thing uh, that happened in the beginning. They're just simply playing God. And if they are atheists, they don't believe in a creator God, then they say, hey, we are going to be God. And of course, that will lead to its own fall eventually. But, um, you know, they, I just, I keep asking myself, to what extent can they really control us? Because the truth is, um, you've all know Harari was wrong. We are not hackable animals. We are impressionable animals, but there's no way they will ever remove our capability to think, to have a free will. Well, that's true, but it's also worth noting that poverty, tyranny, slavery, you know, the, the, when we talk about why people are poor, people want to say, well, what causes poverty? Well, you're born naked and hungry. Poverty is our natural state. And if we look back at human history, poverty, slavery, those kinds of things, that's the norm. So we shouldn't ask ourselves why poverty exists or, or why slavery existed for as long as it did. We should ask ourselves what is unique about the modern world that is stamped, largely stamped, not entirely, but largely stamped such things out. And that's what we have to learn from. It's excuse me, poverty is 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 normal. What's not normal is people having a, some vestige of wealth, some vestige of comfort. Slavery is is existed for all of human existence except the modern time. And, you know, the reason for that is that there have been tyrants for all of human history. And when there weren't tyrants, there at least would be tyrants. There have, there's always been a tyrant just around the corner. And, you know, tyranny, slavery, these are the, these are the norms. And, and I think people have to understand that, that freedom isn't what normally pops up. What normally pops up is a warlord. Well, and I agree. The, I agree. Yeah. But, but, but I would take exception with one thing you said. Um, slavery, you said, does not exist. Um, I would disagree with that because look at what's happened with the child sex uh, slavery industry. And these, these children, of course, they're being sexually abused in the most horrendous ways imaginable, but they're also being used uh, for child labor and all kinds of, of things. And that goes on to this day. Even in America, we're discovering that um, even with the sex uh, slave uh, industry, the greatest consumer is the United States of America. And well, I, look, you know, and what about producing uh, all of the batteries for all of our electric cars and all? I'm the child labor is a huge part of that. 
Well, I don't think I said slavery doesn't exist. I think I said it doesn't exist as the norm. You're absolutely right. Slavery still exists in this world. There are slave trades going on every day in Libya. Uh, if you include indentured servitude as a form of slavery, it is literally the single largest industry that the communist China, uh, the Chinese Communist Party that China has today. You know, they'll go out and they'll go to they'll go out to uh, the farmlands and they will offer jobs to the people who live in the rural areas and they'll say, "Come into the city and we'll give you a job in a factory." What they don't tell you is that you're going to owe them, say, $6,000, and that the structure of the agreement is set up in such a way, you live in their barracks and they give you, you have to pay rent for that. They feed you, but you have to pay them for the food. They clothe you, but you have to pay them for the clothing. It's impossible to get out of debt. The debt actually grows over time, and you can't leave the employment until you pay off the debt. So, right. and we we saw that with the industrial revolution. I mean, in Europe, in America, um, these factory workers uh, were absolutely owned by the companies that ruled them. I, and you're right; that was just another form of slavery uh, that was legalized and somehow justified because they were technically getting a low wage. They were given housing, however minimal it was. I mean, there were despicable work conditions. Um, but yeah, life is what you're saying, Wallace, is life is hard and we live in a sinful world. And so nothing is ever going to be easy. Um, but what I'm wondering here is, you know, I, I always think, I guess, in the forms, uh, in the form of what can we do about the situation? Um, I, I guess I'm a rebel with a cause at heart and I always uh, am fighting the imposition of being in control. I think that's why I have, I think I have six or seven DD-214s honorable discharges. I can only take the military for certain amounts of time. But um, but when you talk about an organization like the WFA, the World Federation of Advertisers, um, is there, uh, who's in charge of that? I mean, who runs it? Who is the controlling head? Probably Klaus Schwab, the World Federation of Advertisers, a spitoff of the World Economic Forum. Okay. How do you think Alex Schwab is going to um, influence this organization as he uh, becomes more prominent? Well, I believe that he's uh, essentially said that he's a more radical version of his father. I think we have to understand that every tyrant in history has started out with two things. One is a vision for how they want the world to be, uh, and the other is a willingness to do whatever it takes to bring about the vision. I think that Klaus Schwab is more of a visionary in terms of having the vision. I think his son is more of a visionary in terms of doing whatever it takes to achieve the vision. And understand that vision is for a 90% reduction in the human population. So this this is a very genocidal vision. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, listen, we're going to take just a short pause here, and then I'd like to come back and really discuss this because what you said is a very serious thing. Their their mindset is not just to control, but to eliminate a significant portion of the world population. We'll be right back. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at Liberty at America Outloud.com. Liberty at America Outloud.com. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID 19 and the vaccines. 
Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. And welcome back. This is Malcolm at 8, the voice of a nation. This Program airs at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time and then uh, has an encore at 8 a.m. the following day. Uh, We speak the truth here. We speak it boldly. And we do encourage you all to spread the news that is uncensored, truthful, and meaningful. And you can get that great information at americaoutloud.news where you can find some really awesome articles as well as podcasts that bring you up to date on the issues that are significant in determining the very fate of America. And I would encourage you also to go to americaoutloud.shop for the latest in health and product innovations and do use the Outloud code for special discounts for the America Out Loud family. And we are so glad you are 
a part of the family. Today, we are discussing a pretty difficult topic, but a crucial topic, how the global influences drive media control and actually reformulate the political landscape. There are two mindsets out there, one being that people have no ability to live autonomously, to control their own lives, and therefore they must be a god, if you will, to tell them what to do, to make sure that they do it and control them by any and all means possible. Now, that's a pretty scary thing, um, but um, I'd like to ask Wallace a question because we have been discussing uh, the issue of control. I mean, that's really what the issue at hand is. And Wallace, you just mentioned that uh, the World Economic Forum has a very aggressive, zealous goal of, as you said, reducing the world population by 90%. Could you please define reduce the population? I mean, how is this going to happen or how do they envision doing this? Well, what they've said is that 90% of the human population, what they refer to as worthless eaters or worthless breathers, worthless eaters. Uh, in other words, we consume, but we don't add value. So we're, we're just completely non-helpful to, to, to the globe. And uh, so they've got a framework that they want to, to put together, and it, it involves moving people into very, very large mega cities, uh, different places around the earth, and it leaving much of the earth fallow. So, for example, the Netherlands is trying to eliminate half of their farmland and get rid of all fertilizers, which would reduce their ability to produce food. Uh, by 90%. And they're calling for that globally. They want to see the the, the the ability to produce food reduced by 90%. So 90% less agricultural output with 50% less land and no fertilizers. But the big three things that they say they want to do with the people who are alive today, and as of yet, I haven't heard anybody in the World Economic Forum saying we should kill anyone. What they're saying is that we need to sterilize the masses. We need to keep the masses placated with opiates and video games and just let them live off their lives until those worthless sods die if they okay, don't if so they don't let, reproduce and they and they die then you know they can they can they can they can play video games and smoke dope until they do i guess okay um now you're saying they haven't come out and said that they would like to kill the population but remember that bill gates did say that if we did a good job uh at so-called vaccinating people, we could eliminate a significant portion of the population. I think you said 10 to 15%. Um, but what you're talking about right now is starvation. Now, isn't starvation a slow death? I mean, if they're going to make the land go fallow, they're not going to produce food, then people are going to starve. Isn't that kind of cruel? I mean, um, do you think that they really have that intent in their hearts? Well, if we look at what Stalin did in Ukraine when he decided to uh, when he decided to end private farming in Ukraine, what he did is he would surround sections of Ukraine with with elements of his army. This is done in the thirties, and uh, he would pull out all the food and he would not allow the people to leave. And as they produced more food, Ukraine being the breadbasket of Europe, he would pull out the food and not let them have any of it. And as they starved to death, he would simply replace them with, with Russian nationals. Uh, this was done primarily in the parts of the Ukraine that bordered Russia. So for example, the Donbass region, which is why those areas are ethically Russian today. They're not ethically Russian because they're Russian soil. They're ethically Russian because Stalin systemically killed somewhere between 15 and 30 million Ukrainians 
Indians over about a 10-year period through two major mass starvation events and replaced them with Ukrainian people. Hitler thought that was such a good idea, by the way. Had he won the war, his plan was to do the same thing with Poland take out all the Polish people who are Slavic and and make them work the land, but don't feed them. And as they starve to death, replace them with Germans. Uh, We look at what Mao did. Mao used mass starvation to placate the Chinese people, to bring about the communist revolution. And and so any time in modern history, you know, we always think about like the concentration camps is how to kill people. But Hitler felt he was doing it at that point with a major time constraint throughout modern history with large numbers of people where some tyrant who thought he knew better than everybody else wanted to kill large numbers of people they've always used mass starvation events right and and it's not just mass starvation i mean energy in has to equal energy out to maintain homeostasis in the human body but um what they also did is they worked people to death literally and so working people to death uh is a form of killing starvation is a form of killing so um and and what are they doing right now i mean you're talking about sterilization too yeah that's a great plan i mean that that's what planned parenthood is all about uh so that would work but look at what they're doing even with these messenger rna shots uh these people are being given no choices they are being injected with what I envision as being a, a vehicle to carry a weapon and the warhead is whatever it is they're injecting, be it, uh, you know, an HIV sequence, the spike proteins and so forth, which are sterilizing our kids. We have yet to see the outcome of that, but the fallout is already appearing. The fertility rate is decreasing greatly throughout the world uh, among the vaccinated, those who actually took the COVID shots. And of course, we're still seeing people dying every day from that. So this seems to me like, even though they're not saying that they want to kill us, that's exactly what they're doing. And it doesn't take half a brain to kind of figure that out, does it? Or, you know, am I missing something there? Or, you know, well, how else it- you're, you're seeing a hell of a, you're, you're, you're seeing a hell of a coincidence in that they want to reduce the world population by 90% and they want to produce or reduce the world's agricultural output by 90%. Anybody who looks at that with a sane mind is going to say, well, I guess they only want to feed 10% of us. And it's pretty obvious that 10% are going to be the 10% that they think are worth keeping, which should be the not just the not everybody on the left because a lot of left is going to have to die. Um, but but the head of the moral and intellectual elite, the the handful of people that that Klaus Schwab and his son Alex think have value. And the interesting thing, too, is, of course, they say that we need to stamp out racism, uh, that white supremacy is this, this huge problem. And, and well, when you when you look at, at the economic reality of reducing world agricultural output by massive amounts and you look at where that's going to kill people, that'll make people in America and Europe poor, unquestionably. The majority of your money right now goes to things other than food. Well, food's going to be so expensive, that's going to be where your money's going to go. That's how they're going to control us. That's how they're going to put us under the heel is is by making uh, food so prohibitively expensive that it's all we can afford. And then we'll be in survival mode, just trying to get our next meal. Uh, But if you're in sub-Saharan Africa, if you're in the Middle East, if you're in uh, the deeper parts of Asia, the poor parts of Asia, no, it's going to absolutely decimate those populations. So here they're telling us that in order to stamp out white supremacy, we need to kill all the bla- all the black and brown people. As absurd as 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 that is, when you look at the implications of it, you know they actually say that with a straight face. 
that's pretty scary. That really is pretty scary. Uh, either a straight face or they laugh and chuckle a little bit because it, it astounds me how they can talk about this stuff as, as if they're almost doing a good. They're doing uh, the humanity a service by, by eliminating us, by calling us out as if we were cattle. Um, and calling themselves the moral and intellectual elite for doing so. They actually believe that the willingness to do what it takes, no matter what the harm inflicted in everybody else is, they actually think that that makes them morally superior to those who say, no, you can't kill. Right. And um, Wallace, why are we not doing anything about it? I mean, why do we not try to stop them? I mean, we all seem to feel like there's nothing we can do. We're just uh, victims and they're going to do what they're going to do. I mean, these are the weaker minds among us. They are the physically weak. The only thing they have going for us is uh, for them is, is the money that they have. Right. Uh, and the influence that comes through that. Well, is you get a lot of way? influence through that. You do, but is there yeah. no way to combat it? <clears throat> well, I, I, I think particularly over time, I think there is. I think you and I are doing something. I think Malcolm is doing something. I think this whole network is doing something, and uh, I don't want to name competitors, but there are other networks that are doing things as well. Uh, there are people running for office that I think are are – even even some of the people who are flawed, I think they're honest, and I think they want to do what's best for the country and for the people. Donald Trump, I would put in that category. I think that Ron DeSantis is 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 a good guy. I think uh, the guy whose name I can't pronounce, Vivek something or another, he's a good guy. And and so there are people out there that are good people, and and I, there are people out there that are standing back on this and pushing back. But I remember. When I was a kid, uh, I used to watch a cartoon called G.I. Joe. And in every episode of G.I. Joe, they would always say knowledge is half the battle. And I think what we're doing in disseminating that knowledge and in bringing people, giving out awareness, you know, this is what they're going to be doing coming soon to a theater near you. Uh, you know, I, I think we're doing I, we're doing a lot just by doing that, because I think as more people become not woke because woke is 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 a joke, but, you know, awake. And, and see what those agendas are and, and see what the global influences are doing and, and why they're doing it. I, I think more people, as they begin to see that, will find that it's a, there's a much easier time standing up to it and putting a stop to it. You know, Bud Light's going to, we, we see what's happening to them. Problem is, it's a very small part of the parent organization, so they don't care. But what's NASCAR? Yeah, you've got entire organizations like NASCAR and like Budweiser that their entire clientele is anti-thema to what the, the the world elite want. And and what the world leader saying is if you support your clientele, we're not going to allow you to advertise. Budweiser made what they thought was a very rash choice. We can't advertise to the people who buy our product because we're not supposed to like them anymore. Let's try to get a different fan base. Let's try to get all the all the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world to drink Bud, Bud Light. And, and we see that now with NASCAR. You know, if rednecks aren't watching NASCAR, who is? Are they going to, is it going right. to start? You know, becoming- that's a very good point. And, and isn't it encouraging? I mean, just to see the pushback, like you said, okay, Bud Light's gone, big deal. It's It was just a small little thing, but it sure made a heck of a statement. And I really like that. It gives me hope. You know, that people are willing to stand at least for some issues, although I do feel bad for the innocent people who lost jobs because of that. You know, it's um, and in a sense, it might be taking away some of our more of our culture, you know, our history. I don't know. I think you're absolutely right. But I think not only does it show that people are willing to stand up, but to stand up, you have to have something to stand up for, which means more people are starting to see the writing on the wall. More people are starting to see the truth. 
And and you know what we're doing is, is is helping that to happen, helping to forward that along, and encouraging people to you know share the show, you know read the article. It's out now. Censorship's grip: How global influences drive media control and political landscapes. It's out there right now. So yeah, spread the word, share it. Yeah. Yep. And um, if we can convey that mentality uh, of Jason Aldean's song, try that in a small town. I mean, we're making progress because more and more people are pushing back. And I see that on social media. And I've been censored pretty, uh, pretty frequently. I mean, I'm off Twitter again. Um, they, I don't see much change with that. And I always felt like I was supporting a communist platform by even being on there. But the fact is, hey, how do you reach people? I mean, I've had uh, lots and lots of followers before on that, but it's just impossible to operate because of that censorship. And that really ticks me off. You know, I don't like being told what to think, what to say and what I can or cannot say or do. And um, it's going to be a tug of war, I think. And how this is all going to turn out, I really have no idea. Do you have any projections? Well, I, I, there's a lot of soft censorship out there. When we think of censorship, we tend to think of, for example, you're not on Facebook. Well, I used to have a very, very, I still do have a very, very large Facebook following. But when I put things on Facebook now, instead of people telling me how great the things I'm putting out there are, how much they enjoyed them, I should say, uh, people tell me that they can't find them, that they don't see me anymore. And and obviously, if they're not seeing it, they're not sharing it. Because it's not, you know, you put something out there and it's, it's not the number of people who read it that decides how far it spreads. It's the number of people who share it. So what Facebook will do is they won't give you a share button, for example. Uh, right. And they, they will put it further down on people's feeds if it shows up in their feeds at all to reduce the number of people who ever see it, which in turn reduces the number of people who share it. There's a lot of soft censorship out there. We need other media choices. And I think the public is waking up to that. I think the public is seeing, you know, Facebook might not be hard censoring too many people, but they're certainly doing a lot of soft censorship and I'm not getting the information I need there. And right, so we're, right. we have to find other ways to share information. Some of that may be old school. You don't print it out and give a copy to your friends, send it out mm-hmm. in, a, in an email list. You know, there are other ways to share information. Yeah, there are. But, you know, I'm concerned also because, you know, we have some new platforms now that are supposed to be better, like Getter, um, Truth Social. But I find that it it feels like there is soft censorship even going on on these. Uh, Have you had any experience with that or any feedback? Well, there may be soft censorship going off on some of those. Uh, The other other problem with, with alternative platforms inherently is, is that, when you have the largest platform, you have something called network effects, which is an economic concept that it is the network of people that are utilizing something rather than the technology that's being utilized that adds value. And you know, you got what two billion people on Facebook yeah. versus how many on the closest Twitter. I don't consider truly a Facebook alternative because with Twitter you have to have very very short bursts of you know you can't put an article. On, on, on Twitter, you can link to an article, but it's what you actually put up there is short. So I, I look at Facebook as something else. But what is the? How many people are on the next largest true competitor of Facebook, and what is it? There isn't one because there yeah, isn't. There's no other organized. That. Yeah, there's no other organization that has the eyeballs on it. Now you can't. Nobody can compete with two billion people. So Facebook could be could be absolute garbage. But as long as that's where the people are, you can't really compete effectively against it. So it, it's all network effects. We need alternatives that somehow we have to get that critical mass where we get the network effects on our side and and something else can replace Facebook just as Facebook replaced MySpace. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I'll be curious to see how it happens. And I'm also curious to see how things will unfold, because as you're talking about the global influences in media control, you know, we have an election coming up here very soon. And I think that they're going to drive really hard to control the next election. And probably what, what concerns me is it's going to be in ways that we have may, maybe not even conceived of yet. Do you have any ideas of, of anything that might be planned that we are not privy to yet? That's a good question. I think the focus is still on things like ballot harvesting and, and, and things along those lines. I mean, what we, what we have to understand is, is in, just one example in Michigan, when they when they sent out the mail-in ballots, and they mailed them to everybody, whether you asked for them or not in 2020, when they sent those out, there were two envelopes. You had the outer envelope, which is what the post office uses, and then the inner envelope that has all of your personal information, and the ballot is inside of the inner envelope. Once yes. you take that ballot outside of the inner envelope, there is no way to tie it back to the inner envelope that it came from. So you can verify whether or not inner envelopes are valid. You cannot verify whether or not the actual ballots are valid. And uh, what Sidney Powell was able to do was she was able, she, she claimed to have enough information to show that several hundred thousand ballots in Cobol Hall were the cast in Cobol Hall were were, uh, were 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 fraudulent. And the judge asked her. He said, "Well." In order for me to throw out ballots, you have to tell me which ones to throw out. And, you know, you told me about the inner envelope issue. If I were to take all the ballots from Cobol Hall right now and pour them on the floor in front of your feet, would you be able to pull out the invalid ones? And she said, well, some of them may be photocopied or, you know, have problems that we would be able to find. They're not folded, whatever the case may be. Some of them we may be able to pull out and say, obviously, this one's fraudulent, but not enough to change the results. And he said, well, I can't assume that all the fraudulent ballots, even if you can prove there are a ton of them, I can't prove they're all for Joe Biden. So if well, I can't pull out. That's it, of course. But what people have to understand is that dilemma is baked into the system itself. Yes, they created yes. the system the way they did specifically to make it illegal to do anything about it. Sure. And that's the way uh, Oregon was. Uh, you know, I moved from there a little over a year ago. And yes, that's the way it always was ever since I was there. I mean, you know, people don't even talk about Oregon uh, and ballot harvesting or, or anything because we know that the fraud in states like Oregon is so overwhelming that I don't think people even attempt to to try to do anything about it because it's a completely rigged system. And somehow that has, has to change. So we're up against a lot with this media control. Well, and when we say Oregon and Michigan, I picked Michigan because I live here, not because I think it's unique. This is happening all over the country. California was the country, the, the state that invented uh, ballot harvesting, and they were able to sweep Orange County. You you can roll a bowling ball down the middle of Orange County, and you get to the other side of the valley before it ever found a Democrat. And yet with ballot harvesting, they were able to get Democrats to sweep the house in, the, in, in, in Orange Valley. So, you know... Anybody with with obviously something's not right here. Yeah. And obviously something needs to change. The big question is, how do we do it? And um, I, I'm really proud to see a lot of people are working on that uh, because uh, we know that the global influences are strong. We know the CCP is doing an awful lot. And remember all these um, Chinese nationals coming in. Uh, I wonder how many of those are going to be at work influencing the election. I'm sure it's going to take place and we've got to find a way to oppose it if we are ever going to have a free election. Yeah, my message, to, 
My message to people is every time that you hear that 2020 was or that 2024 will be a legitimate election, just remember that the reason you're supposed to believe that is because the same people who told you about Russian influence in 2020, in 2016, sorry, and all of these lies about COVID, the vaccines will stop spreading, all, every, all the lies are coming from the same people. And those are the people that are talking about how great our elections are. So right. keep that in mind. If if the, the 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 people that are telling you that our elections are perfectly fine are the very people that we know we're lying about everything else. Right. They're hoping to just stay us a little bit longer. I mean, we've uh, we've bought into all the their lies before. Why should anything change? I, it, that's the question. Will anything change? Are people finally waking up? Um, because we have been constrained. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And we need to become unconstrained uh, and start thinking for ourselves. And um, I'm just hoping it will happen. Well, the other thing which is really, really scary about this is I think this is the biggest selling point the left has today, because it certainly isn't their platform. You know, if you actually read the DNC platform, very few people would support that. And I encourage people read the DNC platform. It will make you a Republican. Uh, But they do offer one thing that I think is this very appealing. They say we are the moral and intellectual elite. And if you buy everything we tell you, ideally, without any question, you have to buy the whole thing. You can't pick and choose here. If you buy our narrative with 110%, you become a part of the moral and intellectual elite, too. So they essentially say most of the public is evil. Most of the public is vile. You all terrible people. And, and we hope bad things happen to you. You're, you are the, what did, what did Hillary Clinton call us? The basket of deplorables. Absolutely. But yeah, but if you if you if you buy everything we're telling you, whether it's a lie or not, if you allow us to program you to control the experience and the data, so you're just a just a robot, if you allow that, you become a part of the moral and intellectual elite too. Well, that is absolutely the key right there. We have to proactively choose to use our brains that God has given us to think, to not comply, to not be programmable idiots to not be gullible because we have some tough decisions coming before us in the present at the present time and in the coming days toward that election and what we decide to do and not to do is going to determine the very fate of america we must oppose the global influences that always try to control us And so do your best. It is time to get involved and to get loud America.